Bears and blowout eighth inning, 10 threes. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out a great finish. He swings, and it's a high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats, the first episode of the week. We have a ton to cover. A bunch of storylines from the week that was in Major League Baseball. My updated top 10 MLB power rankings coming at you soon. Of course, my favorite segment this week in Shohei Otani news. And we got a list coming for you a little later. The best home run celebrations of 2022 so far. But let's get into it. I got producer Conrad out here. Sunday was Mother's Day. What a great day it was. I hope you all called your moms if you could and said I love you and happy Mother's Day. Producer Conrad, how are you doing, my friend? Did you did you talk to your mom on Sunday? Of course I did, Ben. You know, I think we both can agree that our moms are such important people in our lives that we just love them tremendously. And you know what? Like getting to wake up this morning and it's my first phone call, getting to call my mom, talk to her for half an hour and uh, it made my day. It was a great Mother's Day just to start it off, even though our love mothers that. were across the country. I love that. You can't beat it, man. I love that. That's how you start your day. And where are we starting this show off, my friend? We're going to start with Mr. Ronald Acuna Jr. and his impact on Major oh. League Baseball. Yeah, so Ronald Acuna Jr. is back. He is back, and it's so good for the Braves, and it's so good for the game of baseball as a whole. And, and what I, where I want to start is with his impact for this Atlanta Braves team. Obviously, they're coming off a World Series championship. They were the best team in baseball and, and won the World Series. And now to start this year, they've started off a little slow. They didn't have their superstar, Ronald Acuna Jr., in the lineup until now. Now he's back. And the Braves had two huge series over the course of the past week. A four-game set in New York against the division-leading Mets. And then the Brewers came to their home in Atlanta the Brewers have been playing fantastic baseball. The Braves split that series in Queens and then beat the Brewers at home. So, yes, Ronald Acuna's impact in the lineup is obviously huge. It's more than that. It's, it's more for this team to have their guy back. And to see Ronald Acuna back playing baseball has just been awesome. The other day, Saturday night, he hits a home run. His second of the year. His first home run came earlier in that series, by the way. He hits a home run to dead center field and fell down after he hit it. <laughs> Literally swung so hard he fell down onto the ground. Ball goes out. Very next night, he hits a home run. And this is really what I want to talk about here. He did the Le LeBron James celebration. The silencer. Pumped his knee, did that whole thing, and it was awesome. And you know who tweeted about it? LeBron himself. So, Ronald Acuna's impact on the Braves, massive. Yes, we all know how good he is. His impact for the game of baseball is far greater than most people can possibly understand. The way he goes about his business on the field, the energy he brings, the passion he brings, the excitement that he brings is next level. And the game of baseball needs it. They need him. He brings national attention. One of the biggest superstar athletes on the planet ended up tweeting out the video of his home run and talking to Ronald Acuna, talking about him doing the silencer. Post-game, 
he was asked about that home run and they showed him the tweet. He actually had no idea that LeBron tweeted about it. And he was so pumped. He said, that's, that's a really cool moment for me. For him to do that is something that's really special. And, and to me, it's big for the game of baseball. And it was really cool to see. I love baseball. This entire show is built around just showcasing how fun the game of baseball truly is. And to have Ronald Acuna back, to have him doing those things, to have it be on the national scale is very special and very important. One thing that I struggle with here, producer Conrad, is I don't know if you remember this, but my pick to click two weeks ago was that Ronald Acuna Jr. would hit his first home run of the season and the Braves would start winning. I missed it by like two days. I missed it by two days. It's all right. You already got last week's though. Miggy getting his uh, 600 doubles. So you already, you already won for this that, week. That, but one big thing about Acuna doing the silencer last night, uh, it was a big thing that Correa talked about with us. Just having fun in baseball and showing emotion and doing these kind of things. I think that's why the NBA, the NFL, they have these celebrations. They have these moves once they hit big shots. I love seeing Acuna do this. He was the front page of every, like every website this morning because he did the silencer. We need more stuff like this in baseball, and I'm so happy Ron Acuna is back. Yeah, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the players that we've had on this year all talk about just having fun playing the game. At the end of the day, yes, it's a massive business and there's a lot of pressure on these guys, but at the end of the day, you're playing baseball, and it's so important to have fun, to have your fun when you do something well. And you know what? When somebody does something well against you, they're going to get to have their fun as well. That's what the game is all about. And we see it the second Ronald Acuna comes back. The game is on a national scale, unlike we normally see from, from night in and night out. Normally, you know, we can find baseball where we usually see it, all the normal outlets. But Ronald Acuna goes and does that. Then you start talking about LeBron retweeting it and, and calling him out in, in the tweet. And next thing you know, it's worldwide sports news because of what Ronald is doing on the field. So yeah, you, you know me, you know this show. I love guys playing with energy and I love guys playing with passion, but it truly matters. And it is truly growing the game of baseball with everything that it's done. And you know what? It's just fun to watch. So I am so grateful and so thankful that Ronald Acuna Jr. is back out on the field because he's one of the best and brightest talents in the game but he's also one of the most, if not the most, fun guy to watch on the field. Absolutely. I mean, you can't beat it. And, you know, I can't wait for Nando Tatis Jr. to come back. It's unfortunate that we lost these guys to start the season, but I'm assuming by July we're going to be in full swing and flipping bats is going to be all the way back. That's Let's right. move on over to second base, though. The Red Sox slow start. Yeah, the Boston Red Sox. They stink. They are not a very good baseball team right now. And coming off of a year where they were just a couple of wins away from the World Series, what's going on? What's the problem with the Boston Red Sox? So I really started thinking about this. And, and last year, heading into the season, I predicted them to make the playoffs. When nobody else was, I thought they were good enough to make the playoffs. And I, I will say... They overachieved a little bit last year, in my opinion. Their offense is good and can be really good, but I think the whole team overperformed a little bit, overachieved. Nobody was expecting them to be in the ALCS and to be a couple of wins away from the World Series. So now you come into this season, 
2022 and expectations are higher than I feel like they should have been. Yes, the offense can be really good, but the pitching is just not there for this Red Sox team. But you know what also hasn't been there all year long? The offense. This Boston Red Sox team needs to be better than they are. They're in dead last place in the AL East. Yes, one of the best divisions, if not the best division in baseball. But they shouldn't be in dead last place behind the Orioles. The Red Sox are averaging 2.65 runs per game in their last 20 games, of which they've gone 5-15. and 15. Two runs or fewer in 12 of those games, plus three and four runs twice, and five runs three times. That's really bad. That, that tweet adds sad at the end. Red Sox stats with that tweet. It's really bad. So let's start with that offense, because the offense is what needs to be better. This team is built to hit. They're built to be good offensively, and if they are not, Well, they're going to be really bad. And right now, they are really bad. Let's look into this. They are 28th in Major League Baseball scoring runs at just 3.28 runs per game. Only the Royals and the Tigers are worse than that. They're 28th in home runs, 26th in team OPS, and they have just two players on their roster hitting over 300. This is unprecedented for a team that should be so talented. Another tweet coming in from Tony Maserati. I don't think I've seen a Red Sox lineup this anemic in 30 years. 30 years. The Red Sox have started 10 and 19. Their worst start since just 2020 when they started 9 and 20. But this is just the third time, okay? The third time since 1966 that they have won 10 or fewer games in their first 29 games. They have a minus 15 home run differential through 29 games, which is the third worst in franchise history. When you start talking franchise history and Boston Red Sox, that's a long, long time. The third worst home run differential in franchise history. They've scored 95 runs through their first 29 games, which are fewer, the fewest since 1968. That's brutal. That's really bad. And that's just the offensive side of things. But that was supposed to be what carried this team. Producer Conrad, it's not pretty. It's not pretty, but I think one thing that baseball fans have to understand too, I'm sure Red Sox fans are all screaming it right now, They have been so unlucky, and I know every baseball fan says their team is unlucky at certain moments uh, with certain plays, catches, strikes, calls, but I feel like at one point this season, the Red Sox got walked off like six straight games in a row. Toronto was just down like three or four runs each game. Now, how much does that play a factor into it and like overall demeanor? Like you keep getting walked off. You're winning games, then you lose in fashion like that. That has to have a, a major effect. I'm sure it has an effect on the locker room, but I'm not going to sit here right now and say the Boston Red Sox have been so unlucky and that's why they are where they are. Sure, when it happens in the moment, it can affect the locker room. And and when you're already not winning a bunch of games, it, it sucks to lose in an unlucky way or if we're considering walk-offs unlucky. Maybe you should have just 
scored more runs earlier in the game and you wouldn't have gotten walked off. But we just addressed, they're not scoring any runs. This team's problem is they're not scoring any runs. And it takes runs to win a baseball game. It's been brutal. It's been pathetic. And I won't sit here and say that, yeah, you know, they're not very good, but they've gotten unlucky. Sure. But they just stink. And plain and simple, they need to be better. It's been atrocious. At home. At Fenway. It's supposed to be so difficult to go into Fenway Park and to win baseball games. At home. They've been averaging 2.29 runs per game. 26th in Major League Baseball. They just got swept by the Chicago White Sox. They lost the series to the Angels. It has been brutal. They are 24th in OPS at home, 23rd in home runs, with just 8 in 13 games. So I I don't even know what the answer is for this team. You're already up against it because you needed your offense to go above and beyond and be elite. That's what the Red Sox did last year. They went ahead and said, you know what? We're just going to score more runs than everybody else. We're going to prove that our offense is good enough to win ball games. And that's what they did. They just went and outslugged everybody. And this year, they just haven't been doing that. The pitching hasn't been great. The back end of the bullpen has so many question marks. Matt Barnes, who knows what you're getting night in and night out. His velocity to start the year was way down. Hansel Robles, you never really know. Jake Diekman, like, who's the guy at the back end of the bullpen that you can turn to? There's so many question marks. The bullpen, the starting rotation, and now even this offense is a big question mark. It is not looking good for the Boston Red Sox. They need to be playing better. There's going to be some heads that are rolling if they don't turn this around because it is not pretty. And when you're the Boston Red Sox and you're playing so poorly with with a roster that is supposed to at least be in contention, you're paying a lot of guys. You're going to have to pay a lot of guys some money coming up here soon in Xander Bogarts. Rafael Devers, what are you going to do with those guys? I don't know. There's a lot of question marks, and them getting off to the start they are doesn't help anything. It is bad in Boston, and if they don't turn it around quick, there's going to be some big problems. That fan base is already not happy. Ooh, coming in hot. All right. Yeah, I mean, Let's it's bad, on. man. It's, it's, look, but look, before we move on, I, I want this Red Sox team to be good. I, I want baseball in Fenway Park to be rocking. It's such an incredible atmosphere. It's one of the best I have ever experienced. I want them in the playoffs. I want to see Fenway rocking in October. But to see them off to the start they are, it just sucks for the game of baseball, I think. Baseball needs the Red Sox, and the Red Sox should be good, and and they're just not. And I'm not saying that they should be they should win this division. I actually predicted that they wouldn't be in the playoffs this year. But they should be in contention. They sh- they're, they're just in a really good division. But when it comes down to it, they have to be better than this. You can't be a month into the season and behind the Orioles in the, in the standings. That's all I got on that. This, it, it does fire me up. You're right, because I want them to be better. I want Fenway Park doing what Fenway Park does best. Yeah, and I think everybody can agree baseball is better when Boston is good at, at baseball. I mean, when you have the Yankees-Boston Red Sox uh, series, you can't beat that. Let's move on to third base, though, onto this Houston Astros team. You know, we talked a little bit about them on Thursday and how they're starting to really become elite again. I mean, they've won seven in a row now. They're sitting at 18 and 11, first in the AL West. And out of the last seven games, the most runs they've allowed in a game is two. How good is this Houston Astros team? That's 
Great. That's a lot of, yeah, exactly what I was going to say. They've won seven in a row now at home, which is their longest home stand winning streak since 2003. Now we're talking about a team that is, that has been fantastic over the course of the last, you know, better, better part of five plus years. They've been to five straight ALCS appearances. And now we're talking about this team having the best homestand that they have since 2003. They are really good. This Astros team, as I sat here and told you last week, literally a week ago, when they were 500, look, just they will be fine. The Astros are a fantastic team. And I said they have an ability unlike any team that I have ever seen to flip a switch and to just go when they need to go. And they have been doing just that ever since then. The team has been raking. They win seven in a row. They finished the homestand allowing just eight runs in those seven games. So the pitching staff has stepped up and been fantastic. Everybody in that rotation has been really good. Jake Odorizzi, who was a back end of that rotation guy, who there were certainly some question marks with him heading into the season. His last three starts have been fantastic. I read something recently that said, Jake Odorizzi actually sat down with my brother, with Justin, and they just talked about pitching and talked about a mentality and a mindset and how to go out there and how to go about your business a certain way. And since that talk, Odorizzi has been fantastic, and so has the entire rotation. The Astros pitching during their seven-game winning streak has been phenomenal. 63 innings, 37 hits, seven earned runs, two homers, 13 walks, 54 strikeouts, and just a one ERA. Opponents are hitting 171 against them in that seven-game stretch. That's going to be tough to beat. You're not going to beat that on a consistent basis. So you have that, you have a dominant pitching staff, and then you start looking at what their offense did during the win streak that they're on. Four runs per game. 11 homers in this stretch, which is second best in Major League Baseball, behind just the Brewers that are absolutely raking these days. And first in walks, 32 walks, 50% of their runs scored have been with two outs. Two out hitting wins you games. As we used to say in minor league baseball, two out RBIs pay the bills. That's how you make your money in baseball. That's how you progress up the ranks. Two out hitting wins you baseball games. The, the sixth lowest chase rate in all of baseball. So they're swinging at strikes, they're putting balls in play, they're hitting homers, and they're pitching better than anybody else in that stretch. What more could you want? The Houston Astros have turned it around. We all knew they would. I sat here on the Thursday show and actually gave just a little midweek update on them and said, let's not get this twisted. Yes, other teams in the AL West are certainly better. But the Houston Astros are still the kings of the AL West until somebody proves otherwise. And right now they are proving why they are just that. They are the best team in the AL West. They all year this year haven't been playing that way. The the Los Angeles Angels are really good. They are a good baseball team. But I can't dub them the kings of the AL West because when you go to five consecutive ALCSs, and you come out of the gates and you're still playing good baseball, and now they're right neck and neck with the Angels. After being a good few games back in the AL West, they're now right there in first place. 
right there in first place where they have been for so many years. The Houston Astros have taken off. They are playing great baseball. Things are rolling. The vibes are rolling. Dusty Baker's winning 2,000 games. He's got his team rolling. They're all playing for him. They're playing for each other. What more could you want if you're a Houston Astros fan? I told you that they would turn it around, and boy, have they done just that. Three shutouts in their seven games on this home win streak. Three of those seven wins, they shut out the opposing team. That's pretty impressive, Conrad. It's extremely impressive. You know, I mean, I've seen so many of the Astros games this year, and we talked about on Thursday again, but I mean, they're just getting impact bats from the entire lineup uh, between like Brantley. Bregman's looking like Bregman again, which is a beautiful thing to see a third. Yeah, he does. And I mean, I, I don't know how the world just doesn't understand that this this Houston Astros team is very real and they're going to be around for a long time. This core is just so good with Altuve getting going again. Uh, they're going to be really hard to beat in the AL West. You know let's who's move on over quickly to becoming plate. a part of that core before we move on? A, a, a part, becoming a big part of that core is Jeremy Pena, a rookie who steps in to fill in for Carlos Correa. And look, you, like I say, you can't expect him to be Carlos Correa, but he has been fantastic this year so yeah you look at that Astros team the core is playing so good now since Jose Altuve came back from his little injury he's been fantastic he's been really good Kyle Tucker has been great Jordan has been great Alex Bregman is back to looking like the the year he was an MVP candidate and then you look at Jeremy Pena who's kind of the guy that is finishing off He's, he's pulling this team all together. You know what the core can do, but it, there was a big question mark this year at shortstop, and he has gone above and beyond filling in that answer of not only is he serviceable, he is very, very good. He could certainly win the American League Rookie of the Year, and he has been fantastic for the Houston Astros, not only during this seven-game stretch where he's hit a couple of bombs, he has been really good all year. And when it struggled with the bat, if there's a couple games where he's struggling with the bat, he's been picking everybody up with his glove. He has been good on both sides of the ball. Very, very impressive. And when you start talking about the core of the Houston Astros, we might be putting him in that conversation pretty soon. You're absolutely right, man. Jeremy Pena has been extremely good, extremely clutch this season. And they just have they have a good, young, fun roster to complement the guys that have been there for a while. So we'll see how far this Astros team can go. I mean, five straight ALCSs. Who's to say they won't make six? Moving on to home plate. We have big markets doing big things. The two New York teams are at the yeah. top of their division. And now, well, technically only one of the L.A. teams are. But all week, both Los Angeles teams were at the top of their divisions. Yeah, I mean, all, all year. I mean, all year. It's the first year in history that through April, both LA teams and both New York teams were in first place in their divisions. You have the Dodgers, you have the Angels, which was a surprise to be in first place. But look, I knew this Angels team was better. I knew they were better than in years past. For a while, it's been about health for them. Can Trout stay healthy? Can Shohei be healthy all year? But the biggest question mark of them all for the Angels was their pitching. And the pitching has been so good for them this year. Everybody has stepped up and been good. Noah Syndergaard's been good. Shohei Otani looks like 
like a Cy Young candidate out there on the mound. Michael Lorenzen has been good. Sandoval's been good. Patrick Sandoval. I mean, this team is really good, but the pitching is what makes them different than in years past. Then you have guys in the lineup that are giving you ridiculously incredible depth that you didn't know you'd be getting. Taylor Ward has been awesome. Anthony Rendon is heating up. Jared Walsh is getting better. Um, Tyler Wade has been good all year. I mean, the Angels team is good. Then you go over to New York. The Yankees, they're in first place. The New York Mets, they're dominating in the NL East. Big markets doing big things, and it's big for baseball. I love to see it. It's really important when the best teams in baseball, when those big market teams are doing big things as these guys are, well, it's just good for the sport. No matter what you want to say, winning baseball, winning teams in New York, it's good for baseball. I know everybody loves to hate, specifically the Yankees, everybody loves to hate them, and then everybody says the Mets are going to met. Well, guess what? The Yankees are one of the best teams in baseball right now, and so are the Mets. Things are good in the big cities, my friends. The big markets are doing big things, and that's what I had to say at home plate here today. A lot of storylines to catch you up on, but it was a good week in Major League Baseball. Now, it's time for my favorite segment this week in Shohei Otani News. All right, well, guess what, Ben? We're going to keep it rolling. Because we have a live Otani update, back-to-back shows. Otani just tied the game up with a two-run. Oh, Otani just scored on a walk-off to win the game. He knocked in two runs in the bottom of the ninth. And now, Otani just scored the game-winning run. So the Angels are technically still the top team in the AL West. (laughs) This is incredible. It's all happening live. Right as we're getting ready to head into my favorite segment. That is awesome. And what a perfect segue, by the way. We're talking about the Angels. We're getting ready to talk about Shohei. And as we're sitting here, the Angels walk it off. And Shohei Otani is a big part of it. I can't wait to see what happens. I'm always right on top of things and there to tweet it, which I'm not right now. But I will be in a little while. Shohei had a two-run double, bottom of the ninth, with two outs, and then scores in the last to win it. Wow. All right, now it is time for my favorite segment this week in Shohei Otani news. And oh my gosh, he is absolutely incredible. This week was nuts. We're going to talk about his clutch gene. We're going to talk about his incredible performance at Fenway Park and just how good he is pitching and why I think Shohei Otani is the face of Major League Baseball. But let's start with that clutch gene. On Sunday, we just saw it happen live as we were recording this episode. With two outs down to their last out, Shohei Otani doubles, drives in the tying run, and ends up scoring later to be the winning run of the game. After Mike Trout had just struck out when he had a chance, up comes Shohei Otani, and he gets it done. We know that Shohei is incredible. We know how good he is. But you never really know whether somebody has the clutch gene or not until they have a chance to prove it. And how do you prove it? Well, one, you have to be on a good baseball team. Last year, when they weren't winning, it's like, yeah, everything he did was incredible, but they never really had that like really intense moment in a big game that they had to win because they were a good team on the edge of the playoffs. Now they're a great team. 
and they're right on the edge of that first place spot in the division. And with first place on the line, Shohei Otani steps up, drives in the tying run down to their last out in the ninth, proving not that we ever doubted it, that he does in fact have the clutch gene. And then we see him from second base scoring with his elite speed. We literally saw it all. Absolutely incredible. Shohei gets it done. There's no other team. You have Mike Trout up. He doesn't get the job done. And then it's Shohei Otani. I don't care what his numbers on the year are at the plate. He is Shohei Otani. And he will get the job done when he has to get it done. And he had to get it done right there. And he showed everybody that, yes, he can pitch. Yes, he can hit. Yes, he's fast. But, man, he is also clutch. The Los Angeles Angels are still in first place. Absolutely incredible. He is always blowing my mind. And guess what? He did it again earlier last week at Fenway Park. He was incredible. Let's talk about this outing. He was, one, pitching at where it all began for Babe Ruth. Everybody makes the comparison. I don't know if if it's everybody, but I certainly have made the comparison between him and Babe Ruth and then went on to say that, you know what? Yes, there's comparisons, but Shohei is better. And now, for the first time in his career, he was going to start on the mound at the home where Babe Ruth started the entire journey. And for the first time in 103 years in that ballpark, for the first time since Babe Ruth, a player started on the mound and batted in the top four in the batting lineup. And his name is Shohei Otani. Add on top of that just how good he did on the mound. He had The Red Sox had 29 swings and misses, which is the most for the Red Sox since 2008 when pitch tracking began. He induced 29 swings and misses. The second most swings and misses in a game for Angels in the pitch tracking era. The second most ever that game, 29 swings and misses. Only Patrick Sandoval in 2021 had more with 32. So he was brilliant on the mound. Then at the plate, one, he hit a ball 400 feet. It ended up being a single because there was a lot that went into this. It was out there in like the Bermuda Triangle area of Fenway Park where it gets really deep, but it ends up hitting off the top of the wall. It looked like it was going to get caught, so the runner on first couldn't actually run. Ends up being a hit, 400-foot single. Alex Cora said, That game Shohei Otani pitched against the Red Sox on Thursday is the best game he's seen pitched against his team since he originally became the manager in 2018. Alex Cora, best game he's seen pitched against his team since 2018. He threw 81 of his 99 pitches for strikes. That's 82% strikes, which was a career high. No pitcher has thrown more strikes and no starting pitcher has had that high of a strike percentage in a single game this season as Shohei had against the Red Sox. It's remarkable. I watch every single game that he is playing and I am constantly blown away. How is that possible? All last year, I am mind blown at what he's doing. 
And now here we are a year later, and I am still blown away by the person that Shohei Otani is and the player that he is on the field. It's incredible. Even later in that game, he ends up banging a, a hit off the left field green monster and numbers were knocking out of the scoreboard. He was knocking numbers off of the scoreboard wall. It, it was wild to watch. Otani is the first Angels pitcher with an outing of seven plus innings, 11 plus strikeouts, and zero earned runs versus the Red Sox since Nolan Ryan. In 1979, he's the first visiting pitcher overall with an outing of 7-plus innings, 11-plus Ks, zero earned runs, and zero walks at Fenway since Mike Mussina's near-perfect game in 2001. I know that I talk about him a lot and with the utmost passion and energy, but I promise all of you, that it is a necessity in this baseball world. We need to be talking about Shohei more and more and more. What he is doing is incredible. I sat here on the Thursday show when this all was happening and just was in disbelief almost at what he was doing in Fenway Park, the home where it all started for Babe Ruth, he was doing it even bigger and better than Babe Ruth did that day. Incredible. Angel Shohei Otani is the first starting pitcher to record a hit at Fenway Park since Roger Clemens in 1996. Clemens' single was the only other hit by a starting pitcher at Fenway in the DH era. How wild is that? He is incredible. And he did it on both sides of the ball there. He did it hitting, and he did it pitching. Let's talk about his pitching. Let's talk about just how good it is. Because I feel like there's still, when people talk and hear Shohei Otani, you think, okay, two-way player, and wow, does he hit a lot of home runs. Let's start talking about how Shohei Otani very well could be a Cy Young Award winner in this league. That's how good he is on the mound. He is an elite pitcher. All the stats that I just read off, he's doing things just pitching-wise that are hardly ever done. Alex Cora is talking about how it's the best team, the best outing he has seen pitched against his team since he's been there for four years. His baseball savant statistics for just pitching are remarkable. I don't know if you guys know much about baseball savant and how it works but there's basically these sliders and if it's blue it's on the left side and it's cold and it's if it's red it's hot and it's all like where you rank in baseball on a percentage scale Shohei's pitching stats are all in the red it's on fire the whole screen it just is a bunch of red it is remarkable his ERA his expected ERA his fastball velocity is in the 93rd percentile his whiff percentage is in the 95th percentile. Everything is good. His walk percentage, which I am so pumped about for him this year. This was a massive thing for Shohei, was throwing strikes. His walk percentage is in the 87th percentile. And the best of the best, 
his strikeout percentage in the 96th percentile. So I'll say it again. Shohei Otani, yes, we know how good he is offensively. Pitching on the mound, he has the ability to be a Cy Young award winner. And that's no stretch. That's just facts. It has been incredible this year. Let's move on to my last thing. And it is that Shohei Otani is the face of Major League Baseball. I have heard enough. I have seen enough to come to the conclusion that the face of baseball is Shohei Otani. Let's talk about why. First off, he is a sensation no matter where he goes. I go back to last year when he's playing on the road and fans of the away team are cheering for him. Now this year, everywhere he goes, people follow him. They show up just to watch Shohei. Then he goes to Boston, one of the meccas of the baseball world, Fenway Park, an an iconic place to play baseball. And those fans are passionate. They love them, some Red Sox. But you know who they also love? Shohei Otani. The videos of him showing up to the stadium, getting off of the bus, it looked like the Beatles were getting off of the bus. He is an icon. Everybody is showing up in droves just to get an, just to get their eyes on Shohei Otani to say one day that I saw Shohei Otani. Off the field, it has been incredible what he has done for the game of baseball, the eyes that he brings in. I obviously tweet about and talk about Shohei all the time. Somebody messaged me recently and said, I wasn't watching a ton of baseball. I used to love the sport. Shohei Otani has brought me back to the game of baseball. I watched just because of how special he is, and it's made me fall back in love with the game of baseball. That's Shohei Otani. And then you talk about on the field. I talk about that all the time. He's one of the best on on both sides of the ball. It is incredible. I can't think of a better face of baseball, and he is the face of baseball. Nobody shows up like they do to see Shohei Otani. And, and who better for it to be? He is one of the best, nicest human beings in the world. His teammates love him. I was watching an interview with Taylor Ward the other day, who's a new, the sensation on the Angels this year, and he said, don't let Shohei fool you. His English is getting much better. He's having fun on this team. He's rocking cowboy hats. He's pitching great. He's hitting bombs. He's tying games in the bottom of the ninth down to their last out. He's clutch. He's doing it all, and he is an icon, and he is a special person to even get your eyes on. And that's why, to me, Shohei Otani is the new face of Major League Baseball. And that does it for this week's, my favorite segment of the show, this week in Shohei Otani News. All right, it is the first episode of the week, and you know what that means. It's top 10 Major League Baseball Power Rankings time, and we're going to start with number 10. At number 10, I have the San Diego Padres. The Padres are playing great baseball. They've won seven of their last 10 games. They're still right there in the thick of it in the NL West. I like the Padres a lot. I like what they're doing. I've talked about how talented the team is, but the Bob Melvin effect, I'm telling you, that's why I like this team this year. That's what's different about the Padres, the Bob 
Melvin effect. At number nine, the Minnesota Twins. They're still here. They're still on the power rankings. They made it for the first time last week. They're still here. Byron Buxton is awesome. Carlos Correa scared me this week. It looked like he might have broken his finger. Turns out it's just a bruise. He'll be back sooner than later. He was just starting to heat up. This Twins team was playing really, really good baseball without Carlos Correa even being that hot. But with last episode, you guys saw he made it on my team of the week at the shortstop position. He's heating up, hit well over 400 last week. He's back up to about 250 on the year. He's playing good. So are the Twins. I have them at number nine on my power rankings. At number eight, the Tampa Bay Rays. They're back. They're back in the power rankings. You can never count them out. Just when you think, yeah, they're not playing good and they also don't have that great looking of a roster, they will never let you live it down. They are really good. They continue to just be one of the best teams in baseball. Always. No matter what their roster looks like, no matter what you think, they will be good and the Rays continue to win ballgames. They're here at number eight. At number seven, the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers, as we know, pitch better than most anyone. Their big three in the rotation is fantastic. The back end of the bullpen, eighth and ninth inning guys of Hayter and Devin Williams is awesome. But their offense has been on a tear lately. Former teammate of mine with the West Michigan Whitecaps, Willie Adamas, has been really good. Rowdy Telez. Really good. He had twelve. He had eight RBIs in a game the other day, tying the all-time record for the Brewers. Their offense is now rolling, and when you have both those things going, the Brew Crew can be scary. They are at number seven. Number six on my list, and back in the top ten, the Houston Astros. They win that seven-game homestand. They won every single game on the homestand. Their best homestand since 2003. We all know the Houston Astros are good. They struggled for a little while, but as I've always said, they can flip the switch, and they did that. Now they're off and rolling, and they're right there neck and neck with the Angels for first place. The Astros are really good. Watch out for them. At number five, that team that they are right there neck and neck with, the Los Angeles Angels. They made it for the first time in my power rankings last week, and they are still here. They go on the road to Fenway, win a big series, and I don't care if they are good or not this year, it can be tough to go into Fenway and win ball games. They did that, went in one, two of three. Then they end up, we just saw it, they walked off the, the Nationals, they win that series. The Angels are really good, and there's something different about this team this year, and that's why I have them at number five. Number four, the Toronto Blue Jays. Look, the Blue Jays are one of the best teams in baseball. Offensively, over the course of the past week, they've just thrown out some duds, um, but they're still a good baseball team, and they are still winning ball games. The Toronto Blue Jays are here at number four. Number three, one of those teams in New York, the New York Mets. They are elite. I don't know what to tell you. There's nothing to say other than these New York Mets, they are different, and they are real. They do it all. They pitch well. They hit well. They run the bases well. And you know what? They don't even have Jacob deGrom yet. Hopefully he's back sooner than later. And then, my gosh, this rotation is going to be incredible. They're at number three. 
Number two on my list, the Los Angeles Dodgers. They have moved up a little bit from where I had them last week. Now I had them down a little bit because when you have a series uh, homestand, or when you're playing two series against the Diamondbacks and the Tigers, and you don't end up winning that week, you go 500 that week, for me, you got to move down a tick. But they're back to playing really good baseball. They're beating up on the Cubs this series. They've been playing good. They're on a winning streak. I still have my concerns about this Dodgers team. There's some guys in that lineup that do concern me a little bit. But look, they are the most talented roster in baseball. They're winning ball games. They're back up a little bit at this list. I have them at number two on my power rankings this week. And that leaves the number one spot, the number one team in Major League Baseball right now, the New York Yankees. That's right. I had them here at number one last week for the first time, and they're still here. Glaber Torres on Sunday hitting a walk-off homer. They're just winning ball games. They're just really good. They are doing it all. They are pitching well. Their stars are playing well. Garrett Cole, everybody was questioning him at the start of the year. The only thing I said when I questioned him was, hey, Garrett needs to step up and be the superstar that he is on this team. But at the end of the day, he was still throwing 99, 100 miles an hour with wipeout stuff. He was just getting hit around a little bit and not throwing a ton of strikes. Well, look at him now. For the better part of over a month now, he has been fantastic. He was awesome on Sunday. The New York Yankees stars, well, they're being stars. And they have stars all around their team and around their roster. And they are winning baseball games. And they are a lot of fun. The New York Yankees are here at number one. They are back-to-back number one on my power rankings. And they wrap up this week's top spot on my top 10 MLB power rankings. All right, and now it's time to get into a fun top five list. I like to do lists whenever I can, and Ronald Acuna got me to thinking this week, what are the best home run celebrations that we have seen this year? That's what this show is all about, having fun, showcasing the fun side of baseball, and what's more fun than bat flips, home runs, celebrations, and all that good stuff. So producer Conrad and I came up with the great idea of a top five list of the best home run celebrations this year. Conrad, this is the perfect list for our show, I think. It absolutely is, Ben. You know, this one was uh, this one was a, a no-brainer for us. You know, after seeing Ronald Acuna's silencer last night, yep. it really had us thinking, man, what is the best of the best home run celebrations in 2022? There's been a ton of great ones in the past, but we're not worried about the past. We're worried about the recency. And let's start with number five. Pete Alonzo silences the crowd. Pete Alonso, this was early in the year. This was hot off the press early in the Major League Baseball season. Against the Nationals, hits a grand slam. The crowd was going nuts early in the game. He hits the grand slam, touches home, and silences the crowd. I love a good silence the crowd. Finger over the mouth, just shushed them. And you know what? That crowd was silent. That was awesome. Pete Alonzo on this list. I had him on another list earlier this year, most electric players in baseball, and that was the one of everybody that people kind of questioned. Is, should he really be on this list? I think so. I believe so. This is just another reason that he should be on it. That was sick. Here's the video if you're able to watch the video uh, and not just listening to this. We're showing it now. The silencer. 
a different version of the silencer. Alonzo touches home, silences the crowd. That was awesome. That's number five on our list. Coming in at number four, just happened today on Mother's Day. We had Glaber Torres hitting the gritty on the walk-off home run. That was sick. Glaber hits the home run, ball to right field, comes around third, hits the gritty touching home immediately. I had already thought about doing this segment. We were planning on doing it. And then he just immediately propelled his name into this conversation. This is just fun. We're seeing this all over sports right now. We've seen it in every sport. We see it in the NFL. But then we saw it in the NBA. After guys are hitting three-pointers, they'll hit it. And now it's in baseball. We've seen it in soccer. It's worldwide now. And now baseball is doing it. Glaber Torres hitting that home run to right. Which would have been a home run, by the way, in 26 of 30 ballparks. I heard the manager post game saying, well, it was, you know, it shouldn't have been a homer. It's an out in 99% of ballparks. Not true. It went out, and then he hit the gritty. That's at number four on this list. Luckily, it's electric home run celebration in 100% of ballparks. Let's go to number three, <laughs> Jazz Chisholm Jr., the Euro step. Jazz Chisholm, friend of the Flippin' Bats podcast, was just on. A couple of weeks ago. If you haven't listened to him, please do it. Jazz Chisholm is an incredible talent in this game. He has a brilliant baseball IQ, and he is just pure electricity. He was number one on that list I did earlier of electric baseball players. He is also on this list of top home run celebrations, and he does it most every time he touches home, the Euro step. After every home run, Jazz Chisholm Euro steps into home, I actually asked him about that and how it started in our conversation. I love it. I absolutely love it. MLB The Show even picked it up. It's in the video game now. If you hit a home run with Jazz, he'll Euro step to home plate. Certainly an easy one and a necessity to be on this list is his Euro step. Yeah, the Euro step is absolutely electric. The first time I saw it, I was like, who is this guy and why did he just become my favorite player <laughs> in Major League Baseball? Coming in at number two. Seiya Suzuki with the bow. I love this. Seiya Suzuki, every time he hits a home run, rounds third base. Him and the third base coach hit each other with a bow, and then he gets home, and some of the players that they were on base will even bow at him. I love this. This is a, this is a nod to his culture, the Japanese culture. This is just perfection. I love this. It's brilliant. It is one of my favorite home run celebrations he does this every time so not all of these on this list are an every time thing say suzuki's is every single time and it is certainly one of the best in baseball it's awesome he's at number two coming in at number one and this one's no surprise ronald acuna jr he's back and he's hitting the silencer ronald acuna is back and he is immediately at the top of this list the inspiration for this list of the top home run celebrations so far this year. He comes out, he does the LeBron silencer celebration. LeBron tweets out the video, talks about the silencer. He's just growing the game every step of the way. He is one of the best players in the game of baseball. And man, is he so good for the game of baseball and growing the game. And stuff like this is all about growing the game. This show is all about growing the game of baseball. My entire brand is about growing the game of baseball because I love it. 
I love the game. I love the sport. I played it for a long time, and now I get to talk about it. And nothing makes me happier than talking about Ronald Acuna being back, hitting home runs, and doing cool celebrations that wind up at the top of my list. And this year, this week's list is top home run celebrations, and Ronald Acuna is at the top of it with the silencer that he did. Growing the game, baby. That's what this list is all about, and that rounds out the top five. All right, and to end the show, as I do every week, extra innings, a little segment that, something that is special to me, something that sticks out to me, something cool. It could be anything. This week's extra innings segment is all about Mother's Day. Sunday was Mother's Day, and... One, I I love it because I I love my mom. And one of the first things I did, the first thing I did on Sunday was I called my mom and told her I love her. And then I started watching a lot of baseball. And all around Major League Baseball on Sunday, it's all about the mothers. Everybody's wearing pink. Everybody's showing the moms in the stands watching. Everybody's, you know, talking about their moms on the field. It is really and truly a cool and awesome day around Major League Baseball. Bryce Harper hits a home run early in the day, touches home plate, gets ready to walk into the dugout, finds the camera, and screams right into it, I love you, Mom. I love that sort of stuff. That was a cool thing to see on Sunday. The catchers, all the catchers are wearing this pink gear in honor of the mothers on Mother's Day. There is something cool and special around baseball. And Mother's Day. It is special. It is cool to see. And Sunday, for Major League Baseball, it was certainly a cool day to see. The Astros game. A bunch of the players brought out their moms to throw out the first pitch. And all of the players were at home, lined up, catching their mom throughout the first pitch. What a cool day. What a special day. And it started with my mom. It started with me talking to my mom. And before I go... I just want to talk to my mom and say thank you. You know, to be a mom of a baseball player, it's not easy. There are so many things that goes into it all day, every day of my childhood. It was taking me from practice to practice to game to practice. It starts in Little League, and then it goes to high school ball and all the lessons in between. Obviously, I love my mom, and I love every sacrifice that she was able to make for me off of the field. It's something that as I get older, I appreciate more and more and more because I realize, man, life is hard. There's a lot that goes into it, and for her to take that time to take me to everything and basically make her life all about me and her kids and just making sure Justin and I were successful that's special. And the older I get, the more I realize how special it is and how awesome it is to have a mom that supported me in literally anything and everything I did. So that's going to wrap up today's episode of Flipping Bats with that simple message. Mom, I love you. And thank you for everything you did for me. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of Flipping Bats, the first episode of the week. A good recap episode knocked out a lot of the new power rankings, all that good stuff. I love the first episode of the week. Thank you all for listening. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe button wherever you listen, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google, all that good stuff. We also have social media, Twitter, 
Instagram. We shoot every episode on video. You can watch that on our YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod. But again, thank you guys for listening. Next episode is Wednesday. Another fun guest interview coming at you. But this has been a fun one. Thanks again. And this has been another episode of Flippin' Bats.